and welcome back to my final installment on the interlaced stories of Isabel Gaudi and the history of the Calvin. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. It means so much to me to be able to share the stories of my very small piece of home ground with you. I've been thinking a lot about the power of folklore and the story of the carling that Janet told me back in 1662. I've done some research on the carling because what she said kind of haunted me. What Janet told us was the main mythology. It goes that the carling is a sea witch and her spell may follow a boat across the sea, preventing it from catching any fish. The first fish that bites breaks the spell and then the fish itself may be called the carling. There was also a carling fine, which was a little fee taken from whichever fishers had the least catch on their lines. This fee was gathered up and then spent on a bottle of something strong, I'm imagining whiskey, which would be shared around the whole boat being passed around and drinking a toast to the breaking of the curse of the carling. There's even a wee village in Aberdeenshire where, in years long gone by, they would tie a small straw effigy of a carling to the chimney of whichever fisherman had caught the fewest fish that season. Imagine it, a little woman made of straw, named a witch, tied to the chimney. The belief was that, as the smoke went through her, the fire below would break the carling spell. But when I think of this effigy, of this carling, there's no way that these beliefs don't tie back to the burning of the bodies of those convicted for witchcraft. Imagine it, smoke going through straw, a fire to break the curse. Anyway, the carling also has a place on the land. Across Scotland are stones, either standing stones or natural landscape markers with stories of witches, hags and powerful old women. But anyway, back to the present day. I was blathering with a fisher in 2022 who explained to me that the carling beams are the part of a ship laid across the whole structure from fore and aft. This carling beam sits just under the deck of the ship and is the foundation for the whole body, holding the whole thing together. If you can see the carling, it means that there's not a fish on deck, so it all ties together. The myths are still there. Sometimes we just don't remember the stories around them. But I think this is like our folklore too. It holds us together from under the deck. The mythology itself is a curse and then before you know it, it's a bottle of whiskey being passed round on a toast. Or some straw burning in the chimney. And it scares me that we might forget this. 
because it makes the north of Scotland come to life. Anyway, as I've said, I've returned to 2022, where we are going to attempt to dig up the chest with Isabel's final recording. I've been reunited with my producer, Jenny, and together we're going to locate this recorder buried 360 years ago. Annie, welcome back. Your tomato plants missed you. How was the 17th century? It mostly smelt different. Yeah, I think uh, I think you might have brought a little bit of that back with you. None of that, or I'm going to tell HR. All I'm saying is there's a reason Chanel don't make a number 1662. <laughs> well, here we are. This is all done. Where I actually came to school. It's strange what I remember. The Ducat is just up that wee hill. It's the icon of the village. I'll be honest with you, Annie, I can't see anything because it's so dark. I can't believe you asked them to bury her tape in a graveyard. Do you think it'll still be here? Well, I hope so. We should be able to get it as long as no one sees us. Just wait until I tell HR that you have me grave robbing. We're not grave robbing. We're just digging up a marked site that happens to be in a graveyard. Okay, well, I'm sure that's what Burke and Hare told each other. This all feels a bit dodgy. I was under pressure, I didn't have any time, and I couldn't think of anywhere else where people would leave a box buried for 360 years. Look, I even commissioned a wee gravestone so that we wouldn't accidentally dig up someone else's buried recorder. And our body. You do realise that we're making no money on this series because you blew our entire budget on time travel, bribes and a stonemason. I know, but we're more invested in the story than just money. Well, I'm, I'm invested in it too, Annie. I'm just joking. So here's hoping we can find this grave. Oh, ah! Watch out! I almost broke my leg in a rabbit hole. Personally, I always check graveyard rabbit holes for bones. You never know what rabbits might excavate. I don't like the sound of that. Didn't Isabel Gowdy have something to do with rabbits and the devil? Oh, can we just get this over with? Aldern is the kind of place to have an active neighbourhood watch who'll report us for grave digging. We're not grave digging, Jenny. We're simply digging up something that we happened to have buried in a graveyard. Ah yes, 1.30 in the morning, the perfect time for ancient excavations. Nothing suspicious about this at all. Okay, fine. What name did you put on the gravestone? What are we looking for? I wrote Carling on it. It's a real name, so no one would think it was suspicious. But it's obviously not related to anyone else in the graveyard that someone might try to get buried alongside an old family member. Okay, well, these stones here are all fairly new, so we're going to have to find where all the old stones are. They're usually either closest to the kirk or in the darkest corner. Well, that looks terrifyingly dark over there, so shall we start there? Okay, you take that row, and I'll take this row. Watch out for ghosts. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Mm, James McPherson, 1856. William and Agnes Bain, 1703. We need older. Hey, Annie, I think I found something. I think this is it. Yes, it says the carling on it. This is a spot, so I... 
I guess we need to dig. I really hope this is the right grave. <gasps> That's got to be it. Thank the kayak. I don't know what fitness program Burke and Hare were on, but I could not hack it. <sighs> Pun intended. This is it, Jenny. Let's fill this hole back in quickly and get out of here. We can maybe go to Findhorn. It'll be very peaceful at this time. Honestly, anywhere that I don't need to worry about disturbing ghosts or the neighbourhood watch. Jenny and I head to Findhorn Beach. It's my favourite part of the coast. The point where the river Findhorn reaches the sea. You know, Jenny, for hundreds of years, this coast was carved by shifting sands. They had a really dramatic impact on the shape of the land. Even in the dark, this view is phenomenal. You can see where the sand swept over the land there, and then in turn here, the river cuts through the dunes. And then just at the back, huge hills of sand are held together by the deep roots of birch and pine forests on top. This is my favourite view of the Colbin. I think it looks like a cake, the way it's been cut, with the trees as the icing and the roots as the bit between the icing and the cake and then the sand underneath. That's the cakey bit. Wow. Are those... See over there, Annie? Are those seals resting on the bank across the river mouth? Just there? Aye, it is. If the wind was blowing this way, we would be able to hear the cries of the seals to one another. It feels like... I don't know. As though the land was wounded and is now healed. It's not natural, but there's something beautiful about it still. Well, we better get on with listening to this recording if we want to hear it before the sun rises. Nights are short this time of year. Are you ready to hear the last words of your witch? Isabel was never a witch. She was a woman accused of witchcraft. Okay, okay, I know. You know, I don't think any part of this recorder is going to work, Annie, but fortunately, I brought a spare. So if we just slip out this little memory card here, and let's put it into this one. All right, this, it looks like it might work. Do you, um, shall I press play? Do you want to? Yes, I really want to hear her again. It doesn't feel like yesterday since I was in 1662. Alright, this is it. Finally, let's find out what happened. I'm nervous. I'm not sure if I can handle it if it's bad. You've come this far, Annie. Let's finish this. I don't understand what happened. Where's Isabel's voice? Why can't we hear her? Oh, I don't know. Nothing's coming up. Maybe she pressed the wrong button? Mm, I'm guessing there weren't many buttons to practice on in 1662. But I showed her where to press. She knew what she needed to do. Jenny, we're supposed to excavate this and hear finally what happened to her. Now we have nothing. Oh, maybe, maybe that is the message, Annie. Maybe the message is that there's some cracks in history that just aren't wide enough to peek through. Ah, oh, Annie, I'm sorry. Maybe the incompleteness is the point? This story, Isabel's story, just like the coast, has been eroded by time. 
What we see in the land of the Colburn feels like it's almost like a microcosm of the climate crisis. People want to blame the damaged environment on fake news or folklore instead of just taking responsibility for all of our collective actions. Just a few hundred years ago, in this very spot, Isabel was accused of a crime for the everyday misfortunes of others. It was more than a few bad words said about her. It was a system designed to let a few bad words persecute the vulnerable. Yes, but it just needed a few people looking for a scapegoat for her to go through that ordeal. But there are parallels to this land. And unlike the history of Isabel, the story of the Culbin, well, we know it ends positively. You see, when people accepted the root of the problem, they were able to work to solve it with more roots. We go from a coast falling apart, being further and further lost to the tides, to this, a stable, safe place. I don't know about you, but it makes me believe that we can make the changes required, even if they seem almost impossible, like planting a forest on moving sands. Maybe Isabel leading us to this place is enough. Well, what does that mean for Isabel? Well, she's remembered as a legend, that's true. But like you say, she's not a witch. She's a woman who passed on all the incredible stories of this land. She found herself facing the life-threatening peril of a witchcraft trial and still used the moment to enchant the world with her stories of a fairy party. I don't think she had much choice. Maybe this silence was her choice, Annie that she keeps this story of her life and of her death, that it's hers. It's not anyone else's, but hers. It's really unlikely that she survived. But I hope she did. I hope she got out. Ah, you never know, Annie. Maybe one day she'll bring you ale when you're in jail for grave digging. It wasn't grave digging, Jenny. Shall we go home then, my non-grave digging yet still digging a technical grave accomplice? Aye. Let's go home. I think of Isabel when I overlook the Culbin, a forest holding together a fragile landscape, a fragile place. It's a beautiful, dangerous, ever-changing coast, and I love it dearly. And I'm sad that all we got to know of Isabel is locked in a toll booth. I prefer to think of her as she might have been, buying fish as the boats come in, haggling for the price of beef, helping with the harvest, or telling stories by the fire, or maybe just making cheese. without any curdled sin. There's a funny story about us locals of Loch Gloy. It's said that we were once such a superstitious folk that we wondered for years over where the old moon would go every month. And this perplexed our little fishing community. Then, one morning, a lad discovered an old horseshoe washed up on the shore. And suddenly, everyone agreed 
that the problem of where the moon went was solved. The horseshoe was thought to be the old moon, which would fall into the sea and sink or wash up wherever it may. I feel like Isabel understood where the old moon really goes. She always understood. Yet, she would probably still tell the story of it falling to the sea nevertheless. Because it's a funny story, isn't it? If you're ever on this edge of the Murray Coast, look out to the sea at night and see the reflection of the moon on the waves. And think of her, Isabel Gaidi. My fate lies in the power of those whose hands I have suffered greatly under, and my outlook is not hopeful. If I am condemned to death, then let me be known by my name, Isabel Gowdy. Let me not be named as a witch, or as one who has woven curses into the world. Let it be known that I scorn death, and am innocent of any crime, and and that if I had been born in a different time, I would still have chosen this frayed coast as my home. That though these lands were in turmoil, they are now in peace. And I, Isabel Gowdy, do offer prayer and blessing for these people and this land. As it was, as it is, as it shall be, evermore. O sacred trinity of grace, with the ebb, with the flow, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, as it was, as it is, as it shall be, with the ebb, with the flow, with the ebb, with the flow, farewell. massive thank you to everyone who helped us to make this podcast. You've been listening to me, Annie. I played myself. And my producer, Jenny, also played herself. We had very easy roles. We asked locals to do all of the voice readings to keep the accents as authentic as we can. Isabel Gaudi was played by Sarah Busekuk. Both The Jailer and We Hamish were played by Kyle Walker. Janet Braidhead was played by Liz MacDonald. And a wee thanks to Jackie Voss, who really helped me in the early stages of writing this show. This show was made possible thanks to funding from Northwood Story Tagging, funded by the Northern Periphery and Arctic Programme and the European Union. Finally, 
An absolutely gigantic thank you to the listeners of this show. I'm amazed by how many of you have downloaded it already and have sent us such kind and generous feedback. Though I don't live beside the Colvin anymore, I will always think of it as my home and sharing these stories with you feels so special. Um, I don't even know how to put it into words. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this series wherever you are in the world. Slangeva.